Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra, and I'm your host, and I am excited to be introducing you to our podcast guest today because this is another interview episode where we are speaking with a fabulous woman who has made significant career change after the age of 40 to start her own business. And I actually am interested in finding out more about the the story of our guest today. So hello, Siobhan. How are you? Hi, Chandra. I'm great. I'm really good. Thank you. I, as I just said, am really looking forward to this conversation because for full disclosure, we actually know each other through various channels of being each other's clients and uh, in different uh, networks and things like that together. So I know um, quite a bit about what you're doing now, but I actually don't really know much about what you used to do or how it is that you kind of got to be doing what you're doing now. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to exploring your story. Oh, well, I'll be happy to share it with you. No worries. <laughs> Fantastic. And the, the purpose of this uh, interview series is really for us to share as many different examples of stories of women who've made that kind of career shift to start their own business, perhaps later in life than some do, to pr- give ideas and inspiration and stories, examples, if you like, of how different women have done it. So that if people are listening and they're thinking about making a change to start their own business if they've had that little nagging voice in their head saying oh it's too late now you've left it too late I just want to give lots of stories and examples of different types of businesses and different ways of making that transition from being you know successful in a career then moving into um, creating your own successful business and you know being honest about the process that that requires to go through so Siobhan what about we start off with you just giving a bit of a overview context what did you used to do for work and what is it that you do now? Okay, um, well, uh, for 20 or more years, I was in a one specific product, uh, industry, uh, the office products industry, really exciting, stationery, E-R-Y, oh. um, and I was in that industry, as I say, for 20 years and for 17 years in one job and seven years in another um, two companies only, and so I was the general manager of a independent buying group for the last seventeen years. Seventeen uh, years in one job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. jamoli! I think I know, and I thought it was. It didn't feel like that at all. Like I, I, I in the whole, um, enjoyed it for those seventeen years. So wow. I thought. <laughs> and yeah. so before um oh I'm so torn I've got so many questions already um and so what is it that you do now okay so uh now I have my own business and it's called perfect plan project management and I 
help busy people renovate. And so uh, whether it be a busy family or a busy executive single executive person or a busy family or couple uh, and they don't have any desire or any time to manage a renovation project, whether it be small or large, uh, I I manage the whole process from beginning to end, including budget, including uh, quality control, including selecting the uh, appropriate tradie for the appropriate job. Uh, and uh, I also do some design, um, some colour consultation work. Um, so that's essentially what I do. Um, I'm on site most days and then some of the time I spend at home planning and mm-hmm. making sure the process goes smoothly. Awesome. So that is quite a big change to go from office products, I think is what you called it, and, and you know, yeah. a buying company around mm-hmm. stationery and office products into project managing um, <laughs> renovations, it doesn't seem like a natural progression. So I'm really keen to sort of, you know, yeah. explore how that came about. But before we get into that, I wanted to just find out from you, you said that, you know, you worked for two companies over, you know, more than 20 years in the industry and 17 years in this the one role. How did you get into that industry? Was that something that you just always liked stationary and so you sort of went into it not at all I uh was at uni you know when I was 18 Mm -hmm. and I was studying an international business relations degree and I got a part-time job at an office products retailer called Jackson and O'Sullivan which was a very old um a stationary store like a big flagship store in Brisbane Mm -hmm. and I worked in that store and like the week I started work there it was bought by WC Penfold who had 43 retail stationary stores so they bought Jackson and O'Sullivan and so I was in a bigger organization in the part-time job that I was in and I just got there and I basically just started running their retail stores for them and then became regional manager for five stores and then asked, you know, for career progression throughout that role. So I left uni uh, unfinished. I didn't finish my degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, after two years I left and I went in to the buying department at WC Penfold Stationers and I did all the buying and marketing and, yeah, yeah, procurement and supplier relationships and so on in a junior capacity to begin with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you just kept climbing that ladder. Within that company, mm-hmm. yes. So yeah. for seven years at WCP, uh, yeah, I was a senior, what you would call a buyer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I category manager, senior category manager, but I managed all the categories. <laughs> um, and then by the time I left, there were two category managers and we had split half of each of categories. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that was the first part of my career. Wow. So it wasn't exactly in the brochure when you started uni, but it sort of seems so, like, you know, the part-time job just ended up being, you know, practical, hands-on working and opportunity came and you, you followed that. And obviously to get to the level that you did, I imagine, you know, you must have been pretty good at your job. Um, I like to think so. Um, yes. And 
I am much more practical and hands-on. And if there's any kind of gel between my previous roles and what I'm doing now, perfect plan, is that I'm very Mm hands-on. And sitting down studying wasn't really turning me on the way I had hoped. I, I almost had feelings of failure for leaving my, you know, leaving uni, but really it wasn't the kind of environment that I thrived in. Yeah. I thrive in a busy kind of, yeah, more hands-on environment. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and so I think it's... It wasn't in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do think it's really important that we share these insights around that inner dialogue that can go on when you're creating different changes throughout your career because sometimes, you know, I think guilt can come up and... Um, you know, that negative voice of judgment around making a change. But I, I think it's so valuable to actually have a genuine sense of curiosity about yourself and how you thrive. So exactly as you said, you, you had the, the taster of what the uni and studying and desk-bound uh, work was going to be like and, and realised that it, it really wasn't lighting you up. And so that's great information to then make decisions on. But I think sometimes people can go into that headspace of, no, I'm sticking to my guns, I'm going to kind oh, of force myself to keep doing something that I really don't enjoy um, just because I, I can't face the fact of, of not completing? Oh, I was beating myself up terribly. I didn't want to tell my parents that I was not going to continue with my uni degree. I felt a great sense of failure for leaving. And if I were to give advice to young girls, right, now in you know in in any capacity I would just say you've just got to do what makes you happy and if it's not making you happy and you're just living this torturous kind of guilt-ridden existence trying to battle on through uni and it's not your thing or whatever it may be that doesn't end up being your thing just you know don't let your ego or your pride or your um or expectations of others rule the decisions that you make yeah so, because it's your life advice. yeah it, it's your you life only get one. totally totally unless you believe in reincarnation but you might come back as a bird or something and then you know, yeah, you know right. <laughs> different journey career as, career as a stationary queen may never ever come to fruition no, anyway no exactly yeah. okay so um we've got this picture of us uh of you um, climbing the stationary ladder, uh, going up the rungs. And you said that you, you know, for a big chunk of time, you know, enjoyed the work that you were doing. So what was it that did something specific happen that sort of prompted you to want to make the change or how did, how did that decision to leave the industry come about? Okay, well, that role of 17 years where I worked for a group of independent small business owners, small to medium, like $2 million businesses up to $20 million in office products, okay? And mm-hmm. the, indi- the independent market used to be really big when I first started and and then over time, you know, the office works of the world have come and made independent businesses in office products not, not so prevalent. Mm-hmm. But why did I stay there for so long? I'll tell you why. I was well paid. Mm-hmm. I had a position of great authority. I had the 100% backing of the independent business owners that I worked for. They 
backed me 100%. They thought everything I did was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when they didn't, we just worked through it. They were fantastic people to work for. Um, and, you know, kind of nothing happened in the industry without it being passed by me yeah. because I became an elder of the industry even though I was young. <laughs> yeah. um, it was ridiculous. There was a huge, huge ego attached to the whole role for me. It wasn't supposed to be like that, but I just became this consultant to, you know, people getting jobs and people getting employed here, there and everywhere. And, you know, people, you know, buying other companies would, you know, come and talk to me about whether they thought it was a good company to buy or, you know, like it was crazy. Wow. And I was well paid and I worked in a small office environment. I wasn't in a big head office. So I was, you know, the buck stopped with me. I worked really long hours for most of the time that I was there. I was 100% committed Mm. to that business. I did everything for that business and, you know, it was like it was my own business. And then if you want to talk about, you know, the heading down the other side of the mountain (laughs) of that, um, I didn't realise how physically – it was affecting me. I mm-hmm. had a very bad back for 10 years of the 17 years that I worked there. And when I say very bad back, I mean, you know, really, really bad back pain. Mm. And I would just power on through. And, you know, I mean, I was well paid, but I spent a, money, a lot of money on trying to get my back better throughout that time. But it was really just compounding um, stress. Yeah. And sitting at a desk, but it was compounding stress. And um, I had I had a five year plan to leave. Okay. And I kept saying, I'm not staying past you know the point, past a particular point. And we always talked about it in the organisation that one day I would go, and people would say, Are you ready to go yet? Do you want to go? You tell us. And um, so I did want to leave, but I just kept not leaving because I was really well paid and yeah. I, I, I got a share, you know, in the profits. Yeah. And I could do as I pleased and I could do my job in my sleep really. But as the industry changed and it got harder for smaller businesses, I just took on that stress of those businesses kind of coming under pressure. Yeah, right. And yeah, and um, I probably, you know, should have left earlier than I did, but I left on such great terms. I I resigned and I gave four or five months notice mm-hmm. because I had run the company for so long no one else knew how to do anything. Um, and when I gave notice, um, apart from the, uh, the chairman saying, quickly order another bottle of wine, <laughs> I'm going to need it. Um, uh, the other thing that happened was that the back pain actually went away within 48 hours of the resignation. Wow. Not not the four months that I continued to work like 10 to 12 hours a day to make sure that the company was in great shape when I left, but it went away within 48 hours. It was like this huge breath that I took out and it hasn't come back. That is amazing and there's so many things in in what you've shared that I think 
a lot of people listening can potentially relate to and maybe it's in a different industry or a slightly different role but I I think that women who are committed to their career and really do show up and add value and take on a, a role and live it and breathe it as if it is their own business can really relate to that um, hamster wheel that you can get stuck on that even if there are these little blinking lights that is that maybe are suggesting hey this isn't sustainable or you've got to be thinking about the next thing the comfort zones of being in such a position of authority the golden handcuffs of the great money that you're getting paid and the you know I guess the kudos or that comes with being in a successful role are very sticky things to shake off <laughs> they really are and, and so I think really it's are. it's great that you shared that and what kind of time frame you said you know that you had a five-year um, plan around leaving how long do you think it actually took you from the first time you started thinking about doing something different to when you actually resigned I went on holidays um in July the year before and I left July the following year. Yeah. While I was away, I came to the conclusion that I couldn't go on any yep. longer. So I had a month off and went to Europe and I came back and that's when I decided I was going to resign and it took me like, yeah, from the time I got back from August, I think I resigned in January for like the 15th of January and then I left on the 15th of July. Yeah, wow. And I think um, from doing, uh, you know, I've done about 30-odd of these interviews with different women's stories and one of the common themes that's definitely come up is um, <laughs> holidays, time away and getting perspective, uh, really thinking about, you know, what I'm doing in my um, work life seems to be a common thing. So if someone's listening and they're feeling really? like, oh, I really need to change, maybe you need to go on holiday. At the moment you can't <laughs> go as far as Europe, but just going on holidays, getting some sort of perspective seems like it's a good way to you know clarify a bit of a, a, a plan forward so yeah. you finally I then also, sorry you go I just keep telling I was just going to say anyone who tells me they're like stressed or they're in pain I just say just resign everything's going to be great <laughs> leave that corporate job immediately that is yeah. your your um uh, qualified Magic. medical advice yeah sure sure <laughs> Yeah, so you finally bit the bullet and resigned. Other than your um, chairman or the, the boss ordering another bottle of wine, how did the various people in your life respond to you making that decision? Oh, everyone was really happy. Everyone in my life. Yeah? It's important. Was so excited. Yeah. Everyone was like, yeah, great. <laughs> Do you have to stay four months? Can't you go now? <laughs> um, yeah, but that was my sense of responsibility kicking in there. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone responded really well. Everyone that I work for, all of those company owners were like, they. a lot of them cried. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but they were all excited for me. And were you? T- what was your reason that you gave them did you did you know that you were going to start your own business at that point or what were you saying to people you were going to do not at all not at all I just said it's time 
it's time. And they were like, okay, if, if it's time, it's time. Yeah. And everyone in the industry, you know, like I had the, you know, the journo from the industry ring and say, we've heard a rumour and, you know, <laughs> that Siobhan's leaving. And then it was like, where have you taken a role? You've taken a role at Officeworks. You've taken a role at Staples. You know, are you the new GM of this company or that company? You must be saying in the office products industry, there's no way you'd be leaving. Yeah, right. And no one and it just kept going on every week someone else would call and go oh there was that role you must be taking that role (laughs) and I just said I'm not staying in the industry I told you for 20 years I am only about ASA I will never work for another company because I'll be flipping and you know telling a different story and that's not what I do yeah um even if it was an appealing role um Anyway, nothing was an appealing role, but no one believed me. Yeah. No one believed me. And so <laughs> you, it was time and so you, yep. you made that decision. But what was your plan? Did you, did you have a plan about what you were going to do? Did you think you were just going to get a job in another industry? Uh, no, I just had a plan to go on holidays again. <laughs> um, Worked well last time. <laughs> yeah, it really did. And then while I was away... What I wanted to do was going to materialise into my brain. Of course. That's what I thought was going to happen. I was going to be sitting on a beach somewhere, you know, tropical, and I would come up with this brilliant idea about what I wanted to do mm-hmm. in the future. And also I had like this offer from Amazon as well. and A job offer? Into, yeah. Um, a procurement role at Amazon because I had just gotten into office products and you know I got all starry-eyed about that because it was going to pay buckets Mm. and then I just heard the culture was so bad and I just went and I had a friend who worked at Amazon and she like had essentially developed a tick whilst working there like that's how stressful it was Mm. and I just woke up one day and I went they sent me the second kind of offer discussion point Mm -hmm. and I just woke up one day and I went, there is no way you are going into a job like that. You're crazy to even consider it. Forget about it, you know, just forget about it. You're never going to work in a big organisation like that. You're not going to deal with the stress of it. And what Um, do you think that was? Was that just some kind of inner voice or where did that come from? Uh, uh, no, I was kind of going through the motions in my mind Mm -hmm. of what that would entail, taking this big kind of corporate role. And it was a bit kind of egotistical. I was excited that I was, you know, had been kind of looked at for that role. Yeah. Um, and I kind of read up on the company and the culture and, and it was that and the girl with the tick it just made me realise that you left an amazing job, really, you know, and you couldn't deal with that stress. There's no way you're going to deal with the stress of a corporate role anywhere else because you're going to throw yourself into it as much as you always have mm. and it'll just be a, a new, you know, like a new master Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that I'll have to kind of, you know, yeah, so... And so that was the end of that, the end of kind of working for anyone. But I still didn't know I was going to start my own business at that point. Right. Um, 
So I can tell you how that happened. Yeah, tell me. I (laughs) I had a friend who rang me and said, look, we've decided to sell our apartment. Can you give us all the names and numbers of the people who helped you with your latest renovation? Because I had renovated my own home during the last kind of, you know, like in 2012 or 13 or something or maybe a bit later than that. But I also have an investment property and I renovated that and I kind of like that stuff. And they said, can you send me the numbers for all of those people? And, you know, I'd come back from overseas and I was like, well, I'll just do it for you. And they were like, yeah, you just do it for us. We never want to see the place again. <laughs> and so um, they never stepped foot back into it till the day of the auction. Um, and I renovated it for them and it sold for like a, you know, a suburb record. And I wow. really enjoyed the process of managing the reno for them. And then, yeah, that's when I decided that I would start my own business and I did some research and I kind of decided that there was a market for a middle woman or middle man between the tradies and the client because there's some pitfalls of dealing with tradies directly and plus busy people can't be home at you know, tradie hours throughout the day sometimes and that I would take on that that middle woman um, role. Yeah, fantastic. And I love the fact that it sort of, I was going to say fell in your lap, which is not quite true, but it evolved based on you just doing something that you genuinely enjoyed and then you could see, there's the overlap of, yeah, there, yeah. There's, uh, there's value there that other people would pay for. So I, I, I really think that, you know, there's some of the best business ideas where you've got that genuine overlap of, of something that you really love doing and that other people see value in as well. Um, and so how long ago was that? How long have you been, has Perfect Plan been around for now? Um. Two and a half years or two years and eight months. Yeah, awesome. And so when you look back at that, you know, fateful decision of going, actually, I'm going to start a business doing this, what are some of the challenges that you think you've had to face and work through from going from a high-paying employee role into starting and growing your own business? Okay. Um, There's lots of things that I can tell you about that. Um, I thought I had a lot of money ready Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. start a startup, um, but I didn't have quite enough. I would have liked another, you know, 20 grand or 40 grand behind me because, you know, I needed to support myself for another year really. so I didn't quite have enough money. I ran the books from the company that I worked for. And intimately, I knew those books. I could run the whole system myself um, and interpret a P&L and a balance sheet, no worries. And I ran an extremely profitable company for 17 years. It just every year continued to be more and more profitable for 17 years. Mm-hmm. But I am still learning how to run my own business profitably mm-hmm. and I spent the time on my books even though 
I quite like doing the books, but um, yeah, it's not as easy to interpret my own business um, P and L and balance sheet, and I don't know why it's different. Yeah, um, like it's hard to explain what's different about it. Um, there is an element of loneliness, but not anymore now that I have you. <laughs> and our groups that we have formed and um, I don't have that loneliness at all. So my advice would be to anyone who starts a small business to immediately get a coach, immediately. Chandra is a coach and that's not a joke, honestly. (laughs) That did change things for my business a lot when you and I met Um, and immediately get into a group of like, like, minded and like situation type small businesses and the mix of having someone in the business who's been in it longer than you and a shorter time than you is is great um so yes I do think that unless you have that network you will struggle a bit with the loneliness and the change from a corporate Mm. role into independent role um and the biggest thing is really you know just ride out the low days until you to the high days because each day it can go up and down and you can take it really personally Mm. and so when you're feeling that you're having a tough day just know that the next day is a whole new day yeah (laughs) yes yeah and it's thank you for sharing those and not just for the lovely plug for me but I think some of the things that you've shared are actually they're really common but they're not necessarily things that that women of a certain kind of career level will anticipate, but we just get so used to the groove of being, you know, in a management role and having a team and, you know, even having things like meetings where there's set deadlines. Oh, well, I've got to get that thing done before 10 o'clock Tuesday because that's when we're having the meeting. That a lot of what you have to do when you're starting your business is off your own steam and it's just a very different way Mm -hmm. of thinking and working and so again that's another thing that I really want to share through this podcast series is to highlight some of those things so that women as they go into starting their business if they hit some of these hurdles they don't think that they're the only one that has this feeling or problem Um, and if they haven't kind of made that move yet that they can anticipate and plan to uh, alleviate those things and not, I guess, you know, have to try and suffer in silence or deal with them on their own. Yeah, that's right. Um, Because that makes it difficult if you're dealing with it on your own, Mm. uh, definitely. So you really do need a network. Yeah, Um, some sort of connection and network of of people that – because also can I ask you, in your family and your friend network, do you have many people that you're close to who – own and run their own business or are they more employees? Most of my friends are employees. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one friend who has her own small business who started it after 40 Mm -hmm. and she's amazing. You should actually interview her. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, no, I'm really, really on my own in that respect. My friends haven't been able to empathise with me um, on that level. Yeah. And that's something that I've also seen is really common that, you know, although there's a rise in the number of women starting their own business percentage wise, it's still very small. And so, you know, just from a pure numbers game, 
most people, most women won't have an automatic network of women in their life who already own and run their own business. And so friends and family can kind of, they want to support you, but they just don't understand. It's just different. And that's where, you know, coming back to your point about having a connection to a network uh, of people that are in business and do understand when you're having one of those days where nothing's working or your things are taking longer than you want them to, all of that kind of um, stuff is is something that only other women in business, I think, can really uh, relate to. Yeah, look, it's it's real. <laughs> yes, yes, it's real. It's real. <laughs> the, the emotional roller coaster is real for sure. It's real. Yeah. Yep. So then, yep. on the flip side, what do you think are some of the best things about you in being in the business that you're in now? You're still relatively new, you know, a couple of years uh, down down the track. But what are some of the best things for you that you observe about working for yourself and having your own business? Oh, the independence mm. of making my own decisions, not answering to anyone and just myself. Yes. Who I, I mean, I've always answered to, so I <laughs> have no problem with that. Um, the independence and the freedom is amazing and I love it, mm-hmm. absolutely love it. Um, I love that I'm no longer crippled by um, really, really crippling pain, so that is the biggest yeah um I love the humility that has come from having less money Mm -hmm. I am thankful to the universe for having experienced both things because money doesn't make you happy um it makes you comfortable Mm -hmm. um I'd like to have a bit more and I'm sure I will one day because my business is successful and it will continue to be so and I have faith but um you don't really need all of that stuff. You don't need all of that shopping and all of that carry on. Really, it's mm. been really humbling, and I, yeah, I'm I'm happy to have gone from you know that really kind of comfortable high flying position to the one I'm in now because I I think it's good for everyone. <laughs> yeah, and look, um, it's it's one of those things that, and the, the money side of things is. A really important one to I guess bring to the table because especially when women have got to a point where they're used to earning a really healthy six-figure salary and that the comfort that comes with that but what also tends to come with that is a, a reasonably high degree not for everybody but for a lot of people of wastage in that you know oh, you, so much you spend money on things that you think you need or want or are important, but actually when if you have to make a choice about it or, or reflect on it, there's so many things that are just money that's being spent because you're trying to feel something that you think that purchase is going to help you feel. It's so vacuous mm-hmm. to live that kind of frivolous overspending lifestyle like I don't need it back at all I mean I need to be comfortable Mm -hmm. and meet my financial commitments but I had way surplus yeah to what I needed I mean I should have paid off my mortgage more but you know (laughs) I used to just spend it on clothes and shoes and gifts and yeah you know silliness and I still eat beautiful food and have wonderful enjoyable times and great relationships 
and I just have 20, 75% less of the fun. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm fine. And this is the thing that I think, um, and it's not that we're saying, you know, quit your job and live on the bones of your ass and you'll be happy because I am still a fan of, you know, making good money and helping women to make sure. good money in their in their business. But it's a different way of looking at the money and, you know, often women have shared through these interview series uh, things where they recognised on reflection that they would yeah. be spending as a way of trying to fill a hole or to uh, through a sense of justification of I deserve this because I've been working so hard uh, but it actually is um, a really it's a false economy and uh, so I think it's one of those things where it's about shifting how women think about money and how they treat money and so that there's just a different way of viewing it um, there's a friend of mine who um is she's she's actually a CEO in a not-for-profit and she about once every 10 years she quits her job and she takes like a year off and goes traveling and um the Great. last yeah she's amazing and the last time that she did that one of the things she shared was how much of a realization she has every time she does it of where she can cut back on her spending without really feeling it at all and I think yeah. that's always a really interesting thing to consider. That's very yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Very insightful. She's able to have that kind of retrospective ability. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so. So um, I love the freedom. Mm -hmm. I love that it's my own business. Um, what else do I love? Uh, oh, I just love it, really. <laughs> <laughs> So then, Siobhan, if people are listening and they want to connect with you and find out more about you and Perfect Plan, where can they go? How do they find out more? Um, well, I have a website, perfectplan.com.au. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my Insta is perfectplanpm mm -hmm. and my Facebook page is Perfect Plan Project Management and they are all the ways I uh, – keep in touch with my um, future clients and share my work and um, yeah that's they're my three kind of active tools of engagement with Excellent. the community and I will make sure that I put links to those in the show notes so people can just scroll down and uh, click on there so they can find you easily to connect with you and find out more about your work Sounds like the perfect plan. It does sound like a perfect plan. Um, so um, to finish up, what are any other, I guess, final thoughts or um, advice or tips that you might have for, say, someone who's back where you were a few years ago who's maybe had thoughts that, okay, I'm going to give myself another year, I'm going to give myself another two years. I'll resign immediately. <laughs> That's my advice to everyone. Don't give it another year, but don't leave yourself financially um, out of pocket. But as you say, if you just stop spending money on things that are trying to fill this kind of hole, um, just buckle down, resign in six months instead of 12 and just sock that money away in readiness for you to, you know, start your own thing or, um, or have that holiday and 
and then do something that you're passionate about and maybe it will take a bit of time to organically appear in your mind what you want to do but yes no don't stay any more years than you should (laughs) yeah yeah and it's interesting because um I definitely so I've done this a couple of times but I the first time when I left uh radio that was very much a situation where I had been feeling not unhappy enough to make me go but just unsatisfied Mm -hmm. enough to make me wonder and so yeah. I remember thinking to myself that I was going to give myself another year and um, it was like I was ne- negotiating with myself about that because I was yes. coming up for a yes. contract renewal and I was thinking to myself, okay, how many years would I be happy to sign for? And I was like, oh, God, I couldn't hmm. do another two years and I know they'll probably want three. Like Literally, I was having this little you know, banter yeah. in my brain and I thought, okay, Maybe I'll see if they'll do just a one-year contract and then I'll use the year to figure out what the hell I want to do next. But then... You won't be able to do that when your head is fully in in the role that you're in. Exactly. And fortunately, there was some little chirpy voice in my brain that, that piped up when I was saying to myself, give it a year. And that little voice said, no, you won't. In the, the next year will go just as fast and blurry as the last year in this intense role and then you'll be back again and so I just did the ripped it off like a band-aid and resigned and it was really interesting to see how different people reacted to that Um, Mm -hmm. and I guess similar to what your, your experience was of people in the industry sort of just not being able to fathom the fact that you would quit a great job without another job to go to and that of course you were going to go to another job and of course it would be in the same industry because there's nothing outside of that like their thinking is so limited um and so I don't necessarily small people (laughs) I don't necessarily um advocate for the instant rip it off like a band-aid method but what I do advocate for is actually you know regarding this as a project and to see, okay, how much money do I need? What's the criteria of when I'll know I'll be ready to, to say no more? And what are the other pieces of the puzzle that I need to have in place? And actually to do it and get whatever external accountability you need to give yourself that time frame and stick to it. Um, because I think it is something that's, that's very easy for that time to just keep drifting um, so I think that that's a really important one. Yeah, women in roles in, you know, whether it always be a corporate role or whatever, they can run a budget of a project at work, no troubles, you know, mm-hmm. and work out how to make that work. Just, you know, make that project your own future project. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. that's that's good advice, Chandra. Yeah, and I know that the, you know the the financial thing. Often, what seems to be common is that that women will have in their head the questions of how soon can I earn the same amount of money as mm. I've been earning in my corporate job, and until I can do that, I'm not leaving. Um, mm. And that I think is a massive trap because, yeah. especially if you've been used to earning quite a high salary, it can take time and and I know that people never want to hear this but it can take you longer than you might hope it does to get your business up and running and profitable and so you need to have that financial buffer and and not put pressure on yourself to say that you've got to be you know earning 
this equivalent income straight away because it's just really unlikely to happen. I'm not saying no one could do it, but it's, it doesn't tend to happen uh, as, right. as easily as people might want it to. Yeah, and just be realistic about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then also, but... if you need to hustle other work as well while you're in the startup phase, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to do that either because that can be some of the most enjoyable stuff that you do because it's something that's, a, you know, got less pressure yes. you know, in the startup phase yep. and can be quite quite fun yeah and it gives you you know you know for me and I've talked about this on other episodes of you know the a different kind of interaction especially if your your startup and your business is you working on your own doing Mm. freelance consulting work or or just other work that's um you know bringing in a little bit of um, income while you're building the business I think that's smart financially but it's also smart socially because it gives you that a sense of connection as well uh, as well as as expanding your network as well so there's a lot of upside to that so I'm I'm a fan of of um, women considering that as part of their transition plan. Um, yes. Yeah, and and I guess the, on the the financial side is to be you know really, as you've said, a bit savvy about how long you think it's going to take, knowing that you don't really know how long it's going to take, um, <laughs> and that uh, in fact I was having this conversation just the other day that people talk about or there's a saying I heard in relation to going on a holiday that I think applies perfectly to starting your own business and the the saying for the holiday is that you should take half as many clothes and twice as much money. (laughs) (laughs) And I think in business it's a similar thing. It may not be about the clothes but it's like you take half as much baggage of what you think it's going to take and and, uh, you're going to need to do it uh, but it potentially is going to take twice as long or twice as much money. So you know, having um, buffers in place that you are, uh, you've put aside that are there for you to live off until your business is able to sustain you as well and to not be feeling guilty about using that money if that's what it's for. So there's a whole piece around you know, the financial side of thing to make this transition a little less stressful for yourself yeah. as well. Awesome. Yeah. Great tips, Siobhan. Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and sharing so openly about, you know, I guess the behind the scenes of, of the decision-making process you went through and, and some of the challenges that you've, you've faced so far in your business. And uh, as someone who's been one of your clients, I think that you have a cracking business and I really can't wait to see how it continues to grow over the rest of, of 2020 and beyond. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. No, I 100% um, endorse leaving that job and making the change and diving in to your own thing. And uh, yeah, thanks. I've enjoyed this little chat too. Thanks, Siobhan. That's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But before you go, I just want to tell you about a great new free resource If you are early in your business and you want to make sure that you're focusing on the right things at the right time to make sure that your business is profitable as quickly as possible, then you want to go and grab a brand new ebook that I have created, which is called the top four priority focus areas for a profitable first year in business. In this ebook, I have compiled experience and insights from my over five years 
in business, as well as from more than 40 interviews with successful women in business and conversations with other women in business that are in my network. And I have summarized all that experience into the top four areas that you need to focus on so you can really create a business that delivers the kind of income and lifestyle that you're looking for. You can get that ebook for free at thetransitlounge.com forward slash top four. I'll be sure to put the link to that into the show notes to make it easy for you to get. So go get it, have a read, then come and join the private Facebook group and tell me which one of the four areas do you think you would benefit from more help with? I'll look out for your comment in the group. Have a great week.